afternoon, good evening, and happy Tuesday to those who are already on Tuesday. You are listening to Intentional Talk Radio, Mindful Mondays with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett. And I am Dr. Corliss here live from Southern California, more specifically Inglewood, California. We're just waiting a couple minutes before our guest arrives, uh, Mrs. Miyoshi Dorsey to come back with some more of that, those alarming things, those, those, um, one would call the national emergency. Today, we're going to be talking about continuing the conversation concerning the national emergency of our youth and talk about some of the trends, warning signs, statistics, prevention, and resources. So she should be on shortly, but in the meantime, and in between time, oh, what a day. Um, you know, Mindful Mondays is about, you know, sharing resources, um, mental health, especially. And I'm having a mental health day. Today is my um, dad, my daddy's heavenly birthday. He would have been, let's see, my mom will be 76 in September. No, not 76. I am tripping. My mom will be 79. So 80, 81, 82. So he would, he would have been 82 today. They're three years apart. It would have been 82 today. And you know, the month of July went by so fast that it didn't, it hit me. And I said, oh, I need to call my sister so we can see, but maybe we'll go out to dinner on Monday. And then I got, that was like last Wednesday. And then I got super distracted. I'm just, it's a lot going on, but it's a good, it's not stressful. It's just a lot going on. And so all of a sudden August 1st is here and my sister's like, okay, we're going to go to the cemetery. And I'm like, mm, no, I needed some, I need to like process that I'm going and so my sister and my mom will be going. And um, since I do work across the street from the cemetery, <laughs> I will pick another time um, to go and visit my dad. Um, so, yes. So today is a is a kind of a melancholy day. Ooh, SAT word. <laughs> and so um, I laugh when I use those huge words, you know. But so for me, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, when you talk about the stages of grief and you know, they never really go away. They just kind of resurface in different angles. And and I see Mi- Miyoshi is on. Hey, Miyoshi, how are you? Uh-oh, are you muted? Let me turn up my sound too. Okay, can't hear you. Okay, my sound is up. Okay, she went away for a second. There we go. Are you there? Okay. So I know I know that you've done counseling and things. Let's just take a couple minutes to talk about the grief grieving process since it sounds like... <laughs> feels like that um it's resurfacing for me because today is his birthday um, mm-hmm. talk a little bit about how that how it kind of it doesn't really go away per se but it just kind of resurfaced yes um first of all hello thank you Hi. for inviting me sorry, i'm sorry i, I talked about yeah. you while you were while you were logging on oh, <laughs> so I okay introduce you ladies and gentlemen mrs miyoshi dorsey <laughs> yay. okay i already said what you were going to be talking about already so yay okay <laughs> Now you can answer the question about the grieving. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's the, that's normal behavior for most people when they have a lost one. Um, you go through these, uh, five stages of grief, which I don't know if you already touched on it. I, I didn't really hear that part Wait, of it. I but... didn't touch on them. I just talked about them resurfacing. Oh, okay. So there's, um, these five stages, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression. 
And then the last one is acceptance. So um, many times people either go through all five of these stages or they may stay in one stage for a while. And what I notice is that with most of my clients is that most of them stay in this, this stage of depression. Because when you have a loss of a loved one, um, you know, that's a typical emotion that most people go through. And you start having feelings of sadness. Um, sometimes people have feelings of regret. I was just sharing a story um, earlier today about a friend of mine who, at the age of 13, his mother kicked him out of the house because he was having issues with his behavior. The mom didn't understand how to deal with it. So she decided, you just get out of the house. You think you're a grown man, go out in the streets. Well, that's exactly what he did. He went in the streets and unfortunately got caught up with gangs, um, criminal behavior, and then eventually went to prison. After he was released, he decided that he was going to live his life um, crime-free and to be an upstanding citizen. However, he never forgave his mom until she died. And when she died, he started going through all of these grief. He didn't understand what was going on, so I explained this to him. Because at the point where you decided that you didn't want to forgive mom, now you're having these um, these feelings of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of the word that I said to him, but he just felt like he no longer um, had these feelings against her. He wanted to just say, if she, if I had one more day to be with her, um, I wouldn't have any, any regrets, you know, because I really feel bad that I did not take time to say I'm sorry. So his grieving was a little bit different because it was more, uh, it was depression, but also it was anger too. And he was in denial also about the relationship. But so wait a minute, you said that he didn't have the time to say he was sorry? Oh, sorry for his behavior? Sorry for his behavior. Oh, okay. Sorry for what okay. he put her through. Okay. Because at that point, he wasn't really looking for an apology or forgiveness from her. Because he, he said, my mom was already like at a certain age, you know, she has just moved on. Now it's me. Now that I've grown, I want to be able to, I wanted to be able to tell her that. But he said he just was not at that stage in his life where he was ready to do that. Was but because she died prematurely, he started feeling like regrets that I should have. And he was depressed for a long time. Um, and he, just, he didn't even want to go to the funeral because he said, I can't face her. He kept seeing her as this live person. So was it a feeling um, of remorse. Yeah, definitely remorse. He was going through, um, but it was mostly depression. He was very depressed. He wouldn't eat. He couldn't sleep. He cried a lot. He was very sad. So to get back to what you were saying, Doctor Corliss, um, yes, this grieving process is different for everybody. And when we come up on um, the anniversary of their death or their birthday, it's just like my mother. She lost her mother when she was five years old. Oh, wow. And it's still new to her. Every time Mother's Day comes by or any other um, birthday, um, excuse me, any other date of significance like Christmas or what have you, she thinks about her mom and she still grieves for her mother. Now, she doesn't so, remember her, does she? She does remember some things about her, yes. Interesting. Yes. It's interesting that some kids at the early age remember the touch or they remember a situation um, that they were in, like mom could have taken them to the store or bought them their favorite dress or what have you. 
And so she remembers um, things like that. But she still is in a grieving process. And for some people, they get better. For others, it's a it's a lifelong process. Wow. So yeah. Interesting. Well, I appreciate I appreciate because we were I just you know quickly wanted to 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 kind of talk about that a little bit. And I know you have some 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 um some things that we that that you know and that we need to discuss. And some of that is you know um with the youth. You know, they've lost parents and loved ones due to COVID. Yes. yes. And so as we were talking about, it's been over a month, I guess, talking, you were bringing up suicide rates and we were just like, whoa, we didn't have enough time. We were like, okay, we got to bring you back and so that you can get your data. And so now yeah. that you have your data, um, uh, talk, first kind of open it up by talking about like the national, like, what do you mean by a national emergency? Yeah. So I, um, had the fortune, I always say a fortune when I come upon information, because I always feel like I'm a student, even when I'm not in school. So I'm always learning because I, I like to find out what's going on currently. And so I was reading from the uh, Journal of of American um, Medical Association. And so they were talking about these different um, statistics about Back in 2020, I'm sorry, I have my notes here, but I need to go directly to it. So the Center of Diseases and Control also were tracking emergency room visits from suspected suicide attempts before the pandemic. And then in also they showed results from February and March of 2021, which we were already full blown into the pandemic by then. So they compared those rates from Prior to the pandemic to currently, well, I should say from 2021, from February and March, and it was 50% higher. When I saw that percentage, I was blown away. Oh, wow. So, and then they said it was higher among girls, um, ages 12 to 17. And it compared also this percentage in the same period during 2019. So, yes, you you had mentioned about the pandemic and how people have lost parents. Um, they've lost caregivers. They've lost family members. And this is when the suicide rate has really gone up astronomically. But with this particular age group from 12 to 17 is what they call a national emergency because now we have youth who are committing suicide at these astronomical rates, these alarming rates. And um, we talked a little bit about um, some contributors, and one of them, of course, you know, when you're at the age of ages of 12 to 17, you're in that life cycle. But Erickson, um, Eric Erickson has his stages of life, or right. stages, of, and, and one of them, I think it's stage five, where there's identity and confusion, and so that's where they are right now in the stages of life. And so you add to that being a teenager who's trying to identify themselves, you add to that the new movement, if you will, of the LGBTQ and I, and I have, they have some other initials that I don't know. I-A- I-A plus. <laughs> okay, thank you. <laughs> so trying to identify who they are whether they're gay, whether they're not, whether they're, you know, gender specific, et cetera, then you still have the bullying. 
going on. And then one thing that I remember reading about this pandemic is that there was a lot of um, information about how parents were uh, verbally abusing their children at astronomical rates, calling them stupid, saying they're a burden, um, just putting them down and tell you will never amount to anything. And so this, which is the emotional um, stress, has also added to the stress that they're already dealing with. And um, then you're talking about all the things that the, the pandemic has impressed upon us, which is, I call it forced isolation. And at this age, people, um, these youth are used to socializing with their peers. So, but if you're isolated, how are you going to socialize? Um, they, they value, of course, their friendship and their social relationships more than anything. So you take that away, you add that on top. So then you got these layers on top of layers. And then you have this identity. I always talk about this personal identity. You talk about, um, body image, which everybody's into now changing how their face looks, their hair looks, their, well, let's just be frank, their buttocks. <laughs> and when they say getting snatched, you know, going to all these different places and trying to form into this person that they think everybody will accept, except, you know, instead of accepting who they are. And, um, of course, there's a whole nother avenue to all of this, and that's the colorism, which is this in our culture, um, being called black, being called tar baby, etc. So the list goes on and on and on. But I want to get back to that article when it talked about that. It talked about um introduce it introduced so many different stressors and also it enforced uh remote learning, which they are not only not socializing with their friends, but also not able to socialize with their friends in school or even connect with some teachers or mentors that may be in the educational um, melee. And then also, um, then you add to that economic burdens, because as you know, a lot of people were laid off mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. So parents, of course, not having a job, not able to take care of their kids, some of them being displaced, being homeless, um, so you have all these ex existing challenges along, along with your mental health challenges all in one. How does a youth deal with that? And, that's, and that's a lot. I mean, I mean, yeah. that's a lot, you know, for an adult, let alone a youth. Absolutely. I mean, all of this, the negative reinforcement from parents, you know, can come up to our age even. But yes. I mean, everything that you mentioned, bullying, native, native reinforcement from parents, social isolation, identity crisis versus mm -hmm. self-acceptance, colorism, mm -hmm. which has never gone away, especially mm -hmm. in the black and brown community, black, let's just be black specific for, you know, yes. remote learning. Um, and that kind of goes back to the whole, um, um, social isolation piece. Mm -hmm. and economic. Now let me, let me, let me, let me, let me offer up something that so so i got it written down so the bullying um you know the bullying has gone to a whole nother level absolutely i mean i was bullied and and i don't know if it was called it wasn't necessarily called bullying well 
I, I was bullied, but it was more like teasing. So mm-hmm. I guess that's a form of, I mean, because when I think bullying, I mean, I, I don't know what what would be the definition of bullying now. What would you say? I mean, is well, this the same it, thing per se? It includes um, verbal uh, assaults, verbal um, put downs, not just physical. Most people associate it with being physically assaulted. Um, also, just name calling, you know. Right. Of okay. So, because yeah. I don't think they call it, I don't remember my mama say, oh, she's being bullied. I, yeah. I, I just don't remember. Now, again, yeah. we're talking like K through seventh grade, let's say. Yes. They, well, they say, they will say kids will be kids. Right. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm going to, I'm looking up this technical term. So. I know, like I was teased. I was teased. Yes. yes. Like like teasing. Yeah. So like, like uh, in the chat, uh, you know, teasing precedes the flat out bullying so like so i see what you're what you're saying and i just i just don't remember it being called bullying but i definitely was teased i mean just especially um k-third a lot um because i had short curly hair and i was i've always been kind of this full-figured child you know woman and it was just you know the, but it wasn't even about the full fit it wasn't even about that then it was about that my hair was short okay they used to call me ball headed and i'm just like you know, I think back and I was like, I had that curly hair. I had a head full of curly hair when I was born. And then, you know, later on when you get it, you know, pressed for Easter and all that stuff, I it didn't stay curly. But I just remember always having short hair. And I just used to get teased about having short hair, bald head, you know, and I just would, you know, come home crying and crying. And it was just awful. And so, so yes, I guess that is bullying per se. Uh, but I guess I just don't remember the word being used back in the seventies. Yes, let me let me read this to you, and then probably will bring some light to it. So, this is um, according to the Oxford Dictionary: seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce someone perceived as vulnerable. So, if you think about all the teasing, etc., it falls in those categories. So, it is considered bullying. Wow. And now that we have social media. And that was my next point. Yeah. That took it to a whole new level. It is like to a totally different level. And as you know, and may have heard that there have been incidences of bullying online or on social media that have resulted in these youth killing themselves as well. Exactly. There was, there was you a know. story about about maybe two years ago when someone found out that somebody could be gay. Mm-hmm. And they put it on social media and the boy killed himself. Yes. Because he yes. was not ready to let everybody know. Right. And somehow he must have told one person or somebody saw him or something. Mm-hmm. And they put it on social media and that was a wrap. Absolutely. And you hear, unfortunately, a lot of stories like that and some unlike that. Most of the times it has to do, and I'll say this, and this is where parents have to step in and talk to their kids about um, associating with the opposite sex because many times it has to do with a girl who may be dating a boy that another girl likes or she used to date and now they're going at it. So they're going back and forth about wanting to beat each other up or talking about how their hair looks or how they dress or how, you know, all these different things that really needs to be Set, kids need to be sat down and told you are worthy no matter how you look or how what people say about you this is who you are this is how you were born 
and teach them to accept self-acceptance. You know, um, it, it breeds um, high self-esteem. And um, when kids are also being told these same things at home, it doesn't help but cause the situation to um, be worse than it was with, with just the bullying by the by their peers. So, yeah, it's it's a lot to go along to go with that. I wonder if there's a separate research point that talks about students who committed suicide due to social media. Oh, I'm sure there are. I didn't. It's so much information now that I had to narrow it down. Yeah. <laughs> I said, I have to do like, yes, I said, I have to do the, the fundamental things like talk right. about statistics and the warning signs, because a lot of times we have someone that lives in our house or have a child that is going through these suicidal thoughts that we don't even recognize because right. we don't know the warning signs. And we not only know don't know the warning signs, if we think that they're, they may be thinking about suicide, many times people are in denial because then they're like, okay, maybe if I don't say anything about it, then maybe they won't do it. You know, instead of being proactive and addressing the behavior, addressing the fact that when you see a kid who used to be happy, outgoing, active, who is now isolated in their room, not talking to family members, not eating, not showering, these are like basic signs that this kid is depressed. And usually depression leads to suicide if it's not dealt with. Right. So, and that's interesting. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. That's interesting that you say that because when I do my pre-college program, and I talk about you guys, one of the things to talk with your students about, and this kind of actually pulls right into what you're saying now that I'm thinking about it. I talk about dinner chats that try to pick a meal where everybody's at the table. No mm-hmm. cell phones, just just communication at the dinner. I'll, I'll say mm-hmm. dinner because I'm just using that as an example. Yeah. At the dinner table, I said, and then what happens is, you get in the get in the habit of having these family chats when you start early. That by the time you get to the point where the student is thinking about college, everybody's looped in. Everybody's talking about, oh, Mio, she's going to college. She's a, she's a sophomore. She's thinking about Spelman. Oh, she's a, you know, and then you're going on college trips, and so you're having conversations. If you were having these conversations from jump, you'd be able to recognize. Mm-hmm. what's going on with your child so so i said that to say oh we you know i may even kind of pull that in somehow when i'm when i'm doing a, uh, my next presentation which happens to be sunday um okay. just you know getting to know your child because this world is changing so much and so much is happening and with covid we need to start paying attention to our family members that's the way i think i'm going to put it i'm not going to say suicide you know because right. that'll, that'll take the whole pre-college to a whole nother level but to really start paying attention to each other and watching each other's uh, uh um behaviors and this is a good way if you if you're having a meal and you're having something with your child every day then you'll be able to hopefully catch something right as well as talk about, you know, the future in college and stuff for your big sister, or your big brother, you know what I'm saying? Or your only child. Absolutely. And, and, and I know that growing up, you have to sit down and eat. Like, yes. you have to sit down at the dinner table and eat. It wasn't going to take no food to your room. Right. Just take your plate upstairs, mess. That's true. It wasn't happening. When it was mm-hmm. dinner time, your butt sat at the dinner, dining room table with everybody, correct? 
Right. And I know that, I did. Now, huh? I know in my family we had to. Right. And that's how it was back in the day. Mm-hmm. And so it's so it's so much that has changed that if we just take the time to kind of stop and re and re kind of think about, okay, let's go back and do a, a throwback for a second. Think mm-hmm. about your childhood and think about how your it was, you had no choice. There was no eat your food in your room. <laughs> stuff. Yes. Yes. You had to sit down and have conversation at the dinner table. You laugh, you cry, and that's how you knew what was going on. That's how my mom knew what was going on. You know, I'm going to assume, I mean, I'm sure she wasn't thinking, I'm going to see if there's signs of suicide. You know, it was just, it was just what you do. And so probably, and I say probably, that may have been what was that's something that you know a mom with a keen eye a dad with a keen eye a grandmother a tia a abuela that's spanish for you know grandmother that's all i got for you on the spanish tip (laughs) (laughs) so anyway you know so when when you and especially when you have that structure where there are extras like tias and and you know aunties uncles grandparents that are that are raising or guardians or whatever. Back in the day, we all stopped and sat and ate. There was no there was no excuse. I want to go outside. I'll be back. No, you be back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the times have changed where now we've got to revert to parents need to start paying attention. Yes, because and, like and, yeah. and not only have times have changed, situations have changed. Right. Um, we have. I mean. Think of all that these youth are going through today versus what we went through. Um, we really did. I mean, I'm not saying that we didn't have a lot to deal with because we still did. And but, a lot at that time. Yes, at that time. So, you know, as time goes by, we see the different changes that go on in our communities. Um, now with this Black Lives Matter movement, um, that's a whole nother added stressor, especially amongst African-American males or people of color, I should say. Um, so then you have mothers that are concerned also about their children because of fear of being killed by the police. And so you have all of these things, all these different components, these stressors that add to um, the, the emotional part of that person. And then, of course, if it's not, again, if it's not addressed, it is going to result in depression. And so these are the things that we have to be cognizant of and know the warning signs of suicide. Um, but before I go on to the warning signs of suicide, I just want to put this out here for those, because there were some people saying, well, what if I want to participate in the discussion? I explained to them that, you know, you will probably have to just text me. So I'm going to give them the telephone number, if you don't mind, for them. Yeah, go ahead and do what you say you were going to do. Go ahead. Okay. So my telephone number, for those that may have input or questions, call me at this number. Please don't call my um, name number because I see I'm getting messages on my personal cell. But on the business phone, it's 323-599-0440. And... Some of you, I most of you are probably know, but those that I don't know, please text your name also, um, because all of you that respond, I'm going to also enter you in a drawing, which I will give out a, a gift on the second show, which will be next Monday, a week from today. So again, the number, 
599-0440. Okay, okay. So sure the direction. So you want people to text their questions if they have some, especially yeah. as, as the show goes on and after the show, as well as you're doing a you're doing a drawing for the folks who have texted you have who have left their name along yeah. with their text and their comments or not. Um, which you will you will pull for a drawing for next week's show, part Correct. two, part Correct. two that you will part. then have prizes for. Okay. Yes. Yes. Thank you for reiterating that. So I just want to go on because I know for sake of time, um, the warning signs. Um, people talk about these suicidal ideations, and ideations are just thoughts of suicide. Um, and we want to talk about some of those that, I mean, unfortunately, they'll talk about it and they carry it out. And I, I touched a little bit about this with my nephew who committed suicide in 2020, August. Actually, the date is coming up August 6th. I have his shirt on in memory of him. Mm. Um, and so, you know, this is also one of the driving forces for me to um, delve into the subject of suicide because um, although you learn things from your master's program that you go through and even your practice, but when it hits home, it's different. And so I, I just don't want people to be in that same situation that unfortunately their parents are and his um, sister and all of it, the host of family members, because this has been very difficult process to go especially when you have such a thriving young man or even a daughter who's doing well and everything and then this happens you're like what happened so people are left not knowing so these are not this is not an exhaustive list but these are some things for you to look at um and consider okay so this is also according to the national institute of mental health and the mayo clinic that these are some things that are considered like feelings. So the first one is empty. If they start to report that they are, are just verbalized, that they're feeling empty, like they say, I don't know what's going on. I feel like this emptiness or I feel hopeless or trapped. And especially when they say, I don't have any reason to live. Those are red flags. Those are warning signs. Um, also, they may report being extremely sad, more anxious. That's, is this number two? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, number one. one. No. Yeah. That first one, empty, hopeless, trapped, or having no reason to live. That's the first one. And then the second one is extremely sad, more anxious agitated what does agitation look like when you hear the word agitation well this is like i'm just saying i I just put that out there just for anybody that may want to respond but you know most of the time when you talk to a teenager (laughs) i'm sure if you many of you are of age of 50 or older you have teenagers you talk to them and you say like something like don't forget to take out the trash and the response is, you already told me that. Okay, yeah, I said I was going to do it, you know. Those feelings of agitation that you normally don't see, um, that they're agitated about everything that's said, everything that's done. Um, or this full area of rage. 
you know, feeling rage, wanting to just be an angry yelling, socking holes in the wall, slamming doors, throwing objects. Those, those are the kind of things of rage. Um, yes, Bobby Jones. Colette, 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 can you mute, please? Colette, oh, thank you. Go ahead. Okay. I heard Bobby Jones. I said, huh? What is but anyhow, so the third um, point or feel of feeling is unbearable, emotional, or physical pain. And so people say, well, how does physical pain um, tie into this? A lot of times when people have an ailment, say if they are suffering from um, lower back pain and it's chronic pain every day, you can't function, can't do normal daily activities, can't participate in activities you've always done. Like say if you were um, a sports fanatic or you uh, like gardening, whatever it may be, but every day you're in pain and you have to take medication just so you can feel somewhat normal that too adds to the emotional stress because you can't function in a normal way and um most times if you're taking some type of medication you're probably going to be asleep it's going to make you drowsy and you're not going to be able to socialize not going to be able to uh, communicate as you normally would do because you are dealing with this pain and this unbearable emotional situation which may be a, due to a loss of a loved one um it may be just because you are just feeling sad and many times not even knowing why um and a lot of that has to do with uh conditions that you've de you've dealt well after you experienced and haven't dealt with and i want to touch a little bit about the trauma that many uh youth that are in what do you call lower economic areas impoverished areas dealing with this poverty, excuse me, the trauma of actually witnessing someone being shot, you know, uh, drive-by shootings. Yeah, they're still doing drive-by shootings. Um, now what they're doing is um, these snatching grabs and not only just of businesses, but of people. And they're going robbing people. They're still doing carjacking. So these things are very traumatic. And causes a lot of emotional pain too. And then also you're talking about, um, just emotional pain, uh, in a family, saying that 12 to 17 year old being in a home and they don't have the, they don't feel like they're being loved by their parents because their parents are working too much or not paying attention, not participating in their activities and they feel like they're being neglected. So these are the kind of things, the feelings that these youth experience. Also, another thing is talking about wanting to die. I talked a little bit about that. Or this, this is yeah. still under the unbearable emotional piece, correct? Yes, this is warning signs of suicide. No, no, so no under number three, meaning you're still under unbearable. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. No, I moved. I need to. I'm sorry. You I have to, to tell me. This, so, yeah. So yeah. So it's okay. unbearable emotional or physical pain. That's the third component of feeling. Okay. So now the next section is about talking. Before we were talking about feeling, now we're going to talk about talking. These are the things that they talk about. And one of them is wanting to die. And so it's okay for you as a parent to say, what do you mean you want to die? 
Because sometimes kids may say that for attention, but many times they may really want to die. And one thing that I would say, and I say to parents, if you've heard your kids say this before, and you notice that they're wearing long sleeve blouses or shirts, and it's 100 degrees outside, you ask them to pull those sleeves up. And you're going to possibly see them cutting on their arms. That's a sign of of attempted suicide as well, or sometimes releasing the emotional pain. Many kids that have been emotion uh, that have been physically or specifically sexually abused, they are known to be cutters. So they may be doing this just to relieve the pain because they focus on the pain itself of cutting because they're feeling so much pain in their hearts or in their, you know, in their well-being. So they'll result to that, to that cutting. But if they start talking about wanting to die, they may use that cutting instrument, not just that little stapler or something they may have used just to cut before, but they may get a knife next time or a razor and cut deeper and actually kill themselves. So if you ever see these cuts, like these vertical cuts, on their arms, then you address that. Don't just say, oh, they must have fell down or what have you. Look on both arms. And sometimes they, you will see scarring and that shows that they've been doing that for a while. Those are red flags. And the fact is not be afraid because like I think you mentioned earlier, it's like, well, it was just a phase. It'll go away. You can't right. ignore that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As much as you don't want to say anything, you can't ignore it. It's a cry for help. We hear that term a lot, but it is truly a cry for help. When I used to um, do intake for the youth that came into my facility when I worked for probation, that was one of the things I would say. They would have a sweatshirt on. I'm like, why don't you take out that jacket? It's a little warm in here. And they'll take off their sweatshirt, and I'll look immediately at their arms. Just, you know, not just, like, staring at it, but I just be cool about it and just, you know, observe and see if they're and I'll say, oh, I know you have some, some cuts here. Tell me about that. As parents, we need to do that. As caregivers, it's okay to confront. Not in a, what? Not in a way where you just like put them down for it, but just say, oh, I'm kind of concerned. What's, what's going on with your arm? You know, and if they feel that you care and you're concerned and you really want to know, they're going to open up and sometimes they may not. But eventually they will. If you go back to them and say, you know, are you, are you okay? You ready to talk about this? But don't wait on that because I guarantee you somewhere down the line, there's going to be some type of attempted suicide where they're going to require to be taken to the hospital. And I'm not trying to make people, um, overly, you know, concerned, but I want you to be overly concerned. I don't want you to be paranoid. But I want you to be concerned enough to be able to take action and be proactive. And then so another thing that they talk about is great guilt or shame. I'll use as an example a young lady who may have gotten pregnant. She may be 12, 13, 14 years old because she's sexually active. And that's how young they are now, believe it or not, even younger than that. Wow. I wasn't even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. I still have my Barbie dolls in my townhouse and Barbie doll with a convertible pink uh, car. <laughs> Do you really? Man, oh, wow. I was just talking about that to somebody yesterday. 
uh, one of my church members, we were talking about, girl, do you, is, your, is that stuff still at your mama's house? I said, I think my mom gave it. We gave away the Barbie dolls. Of course, now they're probably a collector's item, but right away. But I was like, girl, I had the townhouse with the elevator. <laughs> Didn't you have one? Did you have one of those? I, I used to like, actually, I was a tomboy. So if I got a football or a baseball. <laughs> that is funny. Yes. I mean, I played with toys when I was really young, but as I became a little older, I was more into things like that. But my speaking of which, my mother, she said, oh, I have something that I saved for you. This was years ago, maybe, ooh, 20 plus years ago. And then she gave me, do you remember the Chrissy dolls? When they had the hair and you pulled the hair, the ponytail oh, out. Was that the girl? name of them, Prissy? I, I think that's the name of it. Something grow by baby, something grow baby, something. Is that uh, the one? Oh, I didn't have, I didn't have that one. I had, but there was one that was like that, right? The grow hair baby, grow yeah, by yeah. by baby. Yeah. No, okay. no, it was called, it was called Tressy. T-R-E-S-S. Oh, Tressy. Oh, it was okay. Tressy right. doll. Yeah. We all had Tressy dolls back in the sixties. We all had Tressy dolls and they, oh, you pull the hair on the hair grows. Tressy. Yeah, and the one we had was called, it was later on was called, it's like, Grove My Baby something, and, and, the, and the hair did the same type of thing. But anyway, yeah. go ahead, you were saying. <laughs> yeah, I was saying that um, with that emotional, that unbearable emotional, physical pain, going back to that, um, you know, listening to your youth, your, your children, and finding out when they, because they'll give little telltale signs. They'll say things like, you know what? I was talking to my friend the other day, and she really made me mad. And then most times, of course, as adults, we say, well, you know, sometimes you get into arguments, and you're not going to agree with your, your friends or what have you. But if they say it more than once, and then they say it a different way, it's like, okay, you didn't hear me the first time, so I'm going to say it this way. Then I'm going to say it again. So if you hear these repetitive um, tones or schemas, as we call them, then you know that there is something underlying that. And you're noticing, too, that you're seeing them very emotional, crying, and um, just very sensitive to everything that's said or done to them. So those are things that are called feelings. So now, um, I mean, talking about talking about the great guilt, guilt or shame, I'm sorry, I kind of skipped on that one. So the guilt or shame. So we're talking about the shame of the 14 year old who who got impregnated um, and feeling like I didn't amount to what you wanted me to be because I know you wanted me to go to school. Now I'm out of school to take care of this baby and feeling like, you know, I'm causing more burden on you because now you got to take care of me and take care of my child. Um, And then the parent is always reminded, if you would have, if you would only, I mean, that's already done. The baby's here. So let's talk about some solutions. And so many times, even though I understand parents are upset about where their child, the role that they've taken, the decisions they've made, um, as parents, we still are to parent. We are still to be the adult, the mature one to guide them and to be there as a listening ear. Because if not, all of these things are going to become very burdensome and then eventually result into depression or to anxiety or these other uh, emotional um, avenues, and then eventually, unfortunately, result into suicide attempts. And so I would also like to now talk about symptoms 
of suicide warnings. Just before that, so you had, you, okay, so no, I have number five is great, great guilt or shame. We talked about the, the pregnant girl who had the baby. And then you said something about being, being a trans and repeats. Was that a separate one? Well, yeah, I was talking about, I was emphasizing on that one, but the last one was being a burden to others. Like they okay. feel like they're a burden to their family or to other people that may have helped them. So that also something that they talk about. Well, I don't want to be a burden to you. So, you know, you hear them say that a lot. Um, and this you, is you not, not being, being pregnant. This is just in general saying, I don't want to be a burden. General. Oh, I was just wow. using, I was just using the guilt and shame one. Oh, yeah, um, no, I got that. Two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But wow. Being a burden can be just say, for instance, there's a parent. Um, see, like most of them come up in single parent homes, and um, the parents only have so much money to pay for living expenses, clothing, etc. And then that child might need something, like say, for some project or what have you. And the parents like, well, I only have this amount of money. I, I can't give you anything else because I don't have it. And so that kid starts to feel like they're burdened. Like, you know, if you didn't have me, because sometimes parents may say, if I didn't have you as, a, you know, when I was young, I, I wonder where I would be now. You know, they make comments like that and make the kids, make these youth feel like they're uh, not worthy to be born or they may feel like they're a burden to their parents. So. That also causes that that extra stress and that uh, the feelings of emotions and that result into depression. Okay, something just happened with your mic. It's like you either is it's something just happened. I'm not sure what. What can you hear me now? Wait, I can hear you, but your voice is different. It's not as deep as it was with within the system of the computer or something. It's just oh, changed. Okay, I. So I actually we can hear you, but I just I don't want to stop the show to. I, just want, I, I can still hear you, but it just kind of was weird. It just kind oh, of. Oh, okay. I'm not sure what happened. I didn't hear it on this end, but. Yeah, but I can hear you. So just, yeah, just speak up and speak up. And, yeah. Okay, I will. <laughs> so we have, um, now I'm going to go into the 12 symptoms of suicide warning. Do we have time for that? Um, it's, 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 um, just, it's four, what's that, 14 till? Let me, let me, so why don't we, why don't we do that next week? So that way we can focus on those 12 and, and can we talk a little bit more about the six things that you've already, um, just to, to kind of recap and make sure that people understand, um, each of the, the six, cause we have about, like I said, 14, 13 minutes left. Um, you've already given, so you've already given out your information, folks. So again, if you have questions about this first segment, which are warning signs, of suicide, you want to call Miss Dorsey at three two three. Text. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, not call. Sorry, sorry. Text. You want to text, 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 text. People, text, text, text. You want to text Mrs. Dorsey at three two three five nine nine zero four four zero. Yes. We're talking about the warning signs of suicide, and that way you can text directly if there's something that you might want to ask her that might have something to do with one of these six things that she talked about that you might have recognized with your children or your loved one. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I just want to say that um, many times, I will say, I'm going to go back in history, and we've probably talked about this before on on your show, but, you know, in our culture, many things were considered taboo. Suicide is one of them. 
since I, honestly, I can say for me personally, I never really talked about suicide until I went to school. It was not something that we discussed in our household. Right. Even though I know there were some, you know, my relatives that that died suddenly. That's what they would say. Oh, unexpectedly they died. But what did they die of, you know? And when they keep that secret, a lot of times you wonder, was that a suicide attempt or was that actual suicide? Um, or was it natural causes? You don't know. But um, for some reason, we were taught whatever happens in this house stays in this house. And of course, if it stays in the house, then you can't go outside the house and get the assistance that you need. And so I believe this is the reason why many people, especially these youth, um, have gone on. They've been throwing up all these different red flags. Here, I'm over here. Look at me. And nobody really paid attention because they're looking at the behavior. And I always say this. There's always an emotion behind that behavior. There's some something underlying. If you see somebody who's angry and fighting and yelling and cussing and especially doing things they've never done before. You have to explore, you have to explore um, more specifically, more uh, and, and find out what's going on with that person. Have they dealt with something recently that made them upset? Did something happen to them as when they were a younger child? And many times it would be, we, we found out all these people are coming out now about being molested, being raped, um, and for whatever reason, they were told to be quiet or they were given hush money. Uh, and then if you don't address those kind of issues, then they become bigger issues into adulthood. So this is the reason why we want to, uh, make this, this is, we're sounding the alarm right now. You know, this is a, this is a, a national emergency. It's not just happening to people in LA. It's happening to people in New York, people in the South, people in the Midwest. It's everywhere. And we have to even reach out to people that are in our neighborhoods. We see children walking down the street um, every day. We see kids acting indifferent, kids that want to come to your house. You have to wonder why people want to come to your house. Little kids coming, can I come to your house? Or they stop to talk to me. It's why, because I give them attention. I pay attention to kids. And I, some people may think, oh, you shouldn't do that because that's not your child. I'm outside talking to a child. First of all, I'm not going to invite them in my home. So let me clarify that. But if I see a child, especially if they're age five or six and they're wandering down the street, my first question is, where's your mother? Where's your father? That, you know, I'll say this and this is kind of, may go off a topic a little bit, but when you see kids that are wandering off like that, they are vulnerable for people who are uh, looking for kids that are alone. Predators. So they can snatch them off the street. Predators, exactly. Mm -hmm. Sexual, predator, pedophiles, ped pedophilia is large. It's, it's grow, ever growing. And there's an underground organization that people don't know about I learned this a while ago. I'll talk about it another time, but um, it starts there. When these kids are four, five years old, wandering around the street, somebody snatches and does something to them, drop them off somewhere. And then you're like, 
where were you? I was calling your name. And the kid's so terrified because the person that told them, if you tell anybody, I'm going to come back and get you again, or I'm going to come back and kill your, your family. If you would hear the horror stories going on, a lot of people dealing with all of these traumas that they're too ashamed to talk about. So the way they get, they get rid of that pain is by committing suicide. That's how they, that's how they're coping. Or you see them using drugs or you see them as alcoholics. So these are the kind of things we have to look out for. Be mindful of, I like that word mindful. <laughs> and just be more caring and more sensitive to people, to children, to even adults. But especially this age group, them dealing with all the different um, stressors and different avenues that they deal with on a daily basis. It is a very concerning. And, you know, that's going to be my, uh, my life's work, I believe, right now is, is just, you know, dealing with that population and getting the word out about suicide. So what's really interesting, <laughs> you can tell there has been a sign of the times. First of all, number one, I ain't going to be wandering outside aimlessly. <laughs> or I did not wander outside aimlessly back in the 70s and 80s. That just wasn't happening. Right. And so we're in this new uh, this new uh, millennium or new new age child raising where folks are just letting five and six year olds run willy nilly as Cedric the Entertainer would say willy nilly. Right. It ain't happening at, at, at cell block Bennett. That, that was what my, that was the nickname. Big <laughs> of my mama house. I'm like, I'm just oh sitting like, first of all, five year olds walking down the street. Not, yes. not. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. That just switches, that just lets you know, number one, that that's, that change of that, gen- and we've talked about it on several shows in the last couple of weeks, the generational change of raising your kids. There is no way in hell, not even in hell, that that is going to happen. Right. With my last name being Bennett and me connected with a, with a, with my stamp, my tattoo on the back that says I belong to Bennett Selblock. Right. Still block Bennett at 59 <laughs> Ain't no way. And the thing is, the neighborhood knew that. Yeah. So that's why it was a teasing thing because, and I don't know if you heard the show last year when I had the ex-game uh, banger female from the Rolling Sixties was on my show. Uh, Lisa, who, who, yeah, who was powerful, who had gone to jail so many times where she just said, I just, you know, uh. and the things that she said, was it was so prevalent in the sense that they were told not to bother me and my sister. Mm. I just learned this last year. I'm like in tears listening to this on the show. They were told not to bother us because a my mom used to teach them in elementary. Mm-hmm. Nobody else could handle the the bad kids, and my mom was like, "Sit your ass down. We about, you about to learn how to read, right?" Mm-hmm. And she taught them gangsters how to read. Mm. Rolling sixties at the time, Poochie and all Lisa and all them and them. Okay. And them. So growing up, even though I might have been a couple years younger than them, it was just like, do not mess with those Bennett girls. Right. You protect them, but you don't mess with them. And it yeah. was because that respect that they had for my mom because she was the only one that could handle them. And mm-hmm. it was just a given. And so 
there was no way I was going to be outside anywhere after a street light because somebody would always be down. You know, you better go home. Your mama going to call right. you. And it right. used to be a teasing thing, but them people knew my mama did not play. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a different time yeah. when there was that village piece of raising. And we've lost that piece. And we're so in tune to these, which are phones, hmm. that when you're when you're at the dinner table, folks are texting instead hmm. of talking to each other. So that goes back to what I was saying with my pre-college program. Right. When you have dinner, have dinner. Open your mouth and talk to each other. No cell phones at the dinner because you can learn so much because these conversations of what you're talking about, you will know about this emptiness feeling because somebody's going to say something that's going to pull you in. You're going to know when someone's extremely sad, number two, more anxious, agitated. You know, I go take out the trash. I told you, tell me that. And first of all, hey, I'm not answering my mama like that. Not even now. Girl, I I have to catch myself like mama. I'll be like, Mama. And I just say it like that. I want that's it. I don't even finish the rest. I'll be like, Mama. She's like, I know, I know. I'm sorry. I said it. So that's how I do it now at 55. But right. trust and believe that I would <laughs> never be like, I took out the trash. You already took. I mean, I'm gonna get out. First of all, that ain't happening in the 70s and 80s. And it ain't too much happening in 2022. Right. That agitated feeling is replaced with mama, and I leave uh-huh. that because I'm not because <laughs> I'm not trying to get hit with no whatever that's on the table that she can still hit me with at 55. Right. If you're having a conversation at the dinner table, then these unbearable emotional physical pieces will come out. The things that you're talking about, the emotional, you know, pieces. Um, of, of feeling unloved or, you know, you like so-and-so better than me. Cause you know, you have to listen to your kid. Like if you're talking to your kids, first of all, <laughs> the talking piece. So you're right. witnessing that already in this generation. Cause everybody wants to text. Everybody mm-hmm. wants to do all the other stuff. So therefore we're missing the conversation. So we don't even know if they are having feelings of wanting to kill themselves or feeling, feeling emotion, the emotions of, your number three, physical pain or whatever. I'm just, my neck hurt, mama, my neck hurt. Ain't nothing wrong with you. What did you do? You didn't fall. No, but my neck hurt. Okay, that's stress. That's something. But again, not in today because nobody's talking. You know, if you're talking at the dinner table and somebody says, they, they, you know, I just want to die and everybody's sitting at the table hears that, then everybody's going to be like, oh no, why do you want to die? Something, but we're not talking. I don't have kids, so it's not me. We, but we, I'm saying we as a collective, we're not talking. We're not hearing the cries for help because we're too busy. The kids are texting or they took their food to the, their bedroom, which wasn't happening in the 70s and 80s. Right, right. And then the whole guilt, shame piece, um, when you're talking about, you know, first of all, A, there's no way in hell that I would still get pregnant now until my mom was like, be so you know it's just really you know I think about these things when when you're talking about warning signs and how we're missing them because parenting has changed yes absolutely and but now we have younger parents who are parenting children parenting children right kids what they say kids raising kids raising kids so yeah it's a different time and that's why as a seasoned parents and seasoned adults have to step in. We got to step in and we got to help out because that's a life we can save. Right. So that was, see, so now we're considered, I'm not, but we're considered, are you a grandparent, Yoshi? 
Yes, I am. Oh Lord. So yes, yeah, so we're so <laughs> so we are now considered grandparents. I'm I'm a pseudo grandparent. All my students who are USC students have one somebody told me I was a grandparent. Oh, you need to come see your grandchild. I said, I I, I know. You have to be a mama to be a grandmama. Sorry. Now just so let's find a creative word to call me, but I'm not a grandmother. But we are at that age now where we're grandparents and we grew up with that strictness. We grew up with that foundation and we need to remember to instill that to our daughters or sons and Mm -hmm. or let them know, like, you remember when I did this and remember when you did that? You need to stop and think about how this and how you are today because of what happened. Yes, yes. But but if you ain't talking to your child. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. So, so, um. So, 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 so that's what we need to start actually mm-hmm. is back to old school communication. Absolutely. I want to catch this stuff. We got to take it back to the old school where we folks are yeah. talking to one another. Mm-hmm. I double dog dare you listeners. I double dog dare you. You know, that's serious. If you, if you over, if you over 40, you know, that's serious. Double dog dare, right? <laughs> yeah. I double dog dare you. To start bringing your family together mm-hmm. over a meal. So you work at night, then it's breakfast. Right. If it's daytime, after school, whatever it is, just figure it out. This is either going to be breakfast or it's going to be dinner because schools, students are in school during lunchtime. So right. I work at night. I can't do that. When you get there in the morning at seven, go on and fix the grits or have your child start fixing the breakfast. All mm-hmm. I'm saying is you need to stop. As we say in California, stop, drop, and roll. That's the, <laughs> that's the, that's the earthquake thing. Right. For real, you need to stop and say, you know what? We need to start communicating with our family because it's not even just the kids. I mean, it's the kids because of what we're talking about in the show as far as a national emergency, but it's also us. It's us. We are the, we are the responsible ones. We are the mature ones. We are the seasoned ones. Um, right. And so we have to be the mentors. We have to be the guides, if you will, to assist you because they're still learning. And what we have is so valuable. And if, if you can do, if you know in your heart of hearts that there's something you can do to intervene in the life of one of these youths and save their lives, I mean, wow, what better thing can you do? Right. And I believe that's why we're put here on this earth is to serve others. Service to others. And so when I, so, so yes, with, yes, what you're saying, but I, I even was taking it further when I say us, I mean, even sitting with your girlfriends, I mean, sitting with, um, uh, 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 you know, whoever, when you go out to dinner and listening to the conversation, cause sometimes this stuff may come up even then. And we yeah. always kind of don't know what to say. I thought it was one of those commercials where it's like, where somebody was saying, your, your son or daughter, such and such. And the girl said, oh, well, maybe it's a phase. I don't know if you remember that one commercial that talked about drugs and the girl was, the son was on drugs or something. The daughter was on drugs and she had a conversation with her best friend during lunch. Mm-hmm. And then she was like, well, it's probably just a phase. And I'm like, for real? No. For real? So anyway, um, Colette, um, I don't think you, did you relate to Kim, uh, Kiana? Yes, I did. Over? I did. Okay. Yeah, I did. And what I wanted to say to Miyoshi is we had the very same conversation today on an earlier show, on one o'clock show. Okay. Very same conversation because what you're talking about, it is a national emergency. 
as a district employee, I have to take the quiz and assessment and go through all of this stuff about suicide. And they no longer want to call it suicide. They give it a more palatable name now. And we have to do that. And, and it's interesting that they make it as important or as critical to take this quiz and this course just like anything else. It's critical. Yeah. In fact, I have to take mine by next month. Mm-hmm. So it, it's really, really important. And one of the things that we were talking about earlier is we have lost values. We have lost, there are no more values. So families come up value-less, no foundation, no structure. Anything goes. Yeah, babies are having babies and that's okay because she's still cute. So it, it, yeah. So it's okay that things happen and we're supposed to be okay with it. We're not supposed to impose our thoughts and the way I was raised, we're not supposed to impose that on youngsters because things have changed. We're living in a digital age, the age of technology, the microwave age. Things have changed and they've gotten worse. The other thing that I was hoping that you would talk about is 24-7, there is a shooting. 24-7, somebody is losing their life. 24-7. As you were coming on, there was a breaking news about a shooting in Paramount. Everywhere you go, everywhere you turn, there is a shooting. I've been through a grieving process because I lost my dad just a few months ago. And we had the service May 14th, his memorial. And it wasn't until Uvalde that I was able to bring myself out of depression. And yeah, because I looked at what was going on with the kids and the families in Uvalde, and I thought, let me collect myself and not cry every day and not be depressed and not go through all of this because of all the crap that I've been going through for the past six months. So I, I quickly moved myself. I did a pivot and got out of real serious depression. Colette, what was it, what was it about Uvalde that made that? What do you think? What? Okay, back up. What do you think about? What what was it about Uvalde that changed that my mind? You, yes, it made you pivot. It was the fact that that was horrible. Those babies, all those babies, those 19 babies and their parents who had no choice and the officers of Uvalde took 77 minutes to decide to go in and do something when they should have gone in the first 30 seconds. And they saw the guy. So it was that, it was that that made me think, okay, you know what? My father leaving this planet at 92 years old, I got to learn how to deal with it. Right. Because my father, you know, I had my father for 70 years. I had him for 70 years. I miss him every moment. I even asked my sister, have you talked to daddy? And I had to catch myself. Um, going through the depression, I saw that Uvalde was a horrible, horrible thing. And we're living through more Uvaldes every day. And I can't be depressed about me when there's so much going on. Shooting right here on the 105, a shooting in Pasadena down the street from my kids. There's a shooting every day. And we've lost 
And it's hard to deal with that along with all of the other things. And kids, they're not able, they're not equipped to rationalize and deal with all of these things. So I couldn't feel bad for myself. I had to give up, literally. I had to just look at it because I was depressed every day. I woke up sad every day. I woke up, even though I'm saying, thank you, Lord, I was sad and hurt every single day because I didn't expect, I didn't expect the stuff to go on with my former husband, didn't expect the stuff that happened in between. A week later, losing my dad, I didn't expect that. It was all of a sudden. He was in the hospital. They keep telling me they don't know what happened. I said, well, he didn't look like he was going anywhere. He looked fine. He left. And I discovered what happened later on, but I still could not feel sorry for myself. I had to just get up and move. I couldn't do, I was doing shows and nobody knew. Nobody knew. Corliss didn't know. But I was doing shows in a depressed state. Actually, I can imagine because again, I lost my dad. Yeah. So I can imagine. Well, well, exactly. so I imagine it was hard. So it was yeah, very hard. I, I knew, but I, you know, yeah. and I it's can still imagine. Hard. It's still hard. And I'm still trying to get over that. But in the midst of all of that, what is really challenging is the shooting every day of the week, every hour of the day. That how do we talk to kids to let them know that that's not normal? Right. And you don't have to fear and you don't have to think that you are the cause of any of this. Because kids are looking at this just like we are. Right. Just like we are. How do we tell kids? You know, they're crazy people out there doing horrible, heinous things. And it's it's yeah. horrible. In my lifetime, I've never seen anything like this before. Right. They're scared that we almost have to tell them it's a way of life now. Yes, yes, right. yes. We have to tell kids. My granddaughter is 10. She'll be 11 and she's a bright, brilliant little girl. And fortunately and unfortunately, she's very sheltered, just like I was. But she's very sheltered. I don't want to have to tell her about this stuff down the street from where she lives, where she's going to go to school next in, uh, next week. I don't want to have to tell her all about that. It's enough that she, I got to tell her to stop twerking. So <laughs> that. Okay. But, but then on the flip side, Colette, you do have to talk to her about it because the yes. eight hours that she's not with her family in school from seven yes. to three, let's just say. Yes. Somebody's talking about it. Exactly. It be right. It's better to introduce right. it from the family and have that again dinner time chats where it's like you know right. today. I know. Uh, did you guys talk about at school today? Did somebody because it could be breaking news or something? Yes. And so a teacher might be coming from the break room at lunch and then mention something in class. So you have to kind of get ahead of it yeah. as a parent now that this is the norm. Mm -hmm. You know, we now have to get ahead of like you know there are some bad people and the things are happening and we need you to be You're right. You to be right. careful because right. you cannot unfortunately there is no more sheltering because what's gonna happen that's is right. it's gonna blow up the shelter. Yeah, that's right. And you know what direction. That's right. right. And you know what? The Baldy uh, I called my daughter and I said, Are they talking about that at daily school? Yes, they were. Yeah. Uh, they have to because it happened at a school. Yes. Just like they had to talk about it in Sunday school when the when the fool went up in there and blew up the church and then got a whopper on the way to jail. Oh. Oh, no. oh, that's right. Okay. How you do that? 
Tyrone ain't gonna get no whopper on the radio. Right. Tyrone's gonna, Tyrone gonna be dead. So let's Tyrone's gonna, gonna be, yes. Tyrone Tyrone gonna be, be dead. dead. As soon as he walks out the church, he's gonna be dead. But 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 in, you know, Dan, you know, went through the drive through and they asked Thank him, you. Can you believe that? Do you no, want something? No. No. Are you really asking a question? Okay, so so anyway, I just wanted to go over just a little bit, but I, I wanted to get your thoughts. Um, yes. I have another meeting coming up, but we just wanted to go over to make sure we we capture what you were saying, Colette. So so um, so first of all, thank you, Mrs. Dorsey. Um, this, this, you know, and this just I mean, it just tied in smoothly. And you see how did you see how I wrapped it all in for you? You see that yes. I weaved that in. So next week, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So again. Please, you've heard me wrap it up. You've heard me talk, heard her talk about it. You heard me kind of talk about it, what we need to be doing. I double dog dare you. Tomorrow, tomorrow's dinner, y'all need to have it. To, if not tonight, tomorrow's dinner, y'all need to have together. And you need to start talking to your kids and kids need to start talking to their parents and no cell phones at the table. And that means you too, mama. You too, daddy. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. So next Monday, uh, for those uh, have questions, some individual questions, again, you're going to text Mrs. Dorsey at 323-599-0440. Text her your questions and comments. And then next week, she's going to open the show with those questions. She's going to pick however many she's going to do and open the show with those questions. And then... Um, then next week you were talking about symptoms. What, what were you going to do? Yes, um, there are twelve symptoms of suicide warning signs. And don't forget that during your show, you can always have your audience chime in at six eight two seven one zero one one zero one. Okay, where does that go to? That comes directly to the network. Six eight two seven one zero one one zero one. I'm sorry. One more time, 682 780 1101. 682 710 And who's getting those calls? Get those calls. And then yes. they will let us know via chat? Yes, they do. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. Okay. So that's 682 are the first three numbers. Correct. Six okay. eight. That's the area code. 682-710-1101. Okay. I'll let them know that. Oh, because... I, didn't, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that somebody was answering it. Okay. So the okay. next week will be the 12 symptoms of suicide. However, we are going to start with the questions that you as the listeners um, and pose to Mrs. Dorsey so that she, and she will pick the ones that, the ones that have the same theme and talk about that at the beginning of next week's show, uh, excuse me, podcast. And then we will go into the 12 symptoms of suicide. So depending on the questions, because we really want to, you know, answer those questions, we might have to have the part three, Miyoshi. I don't know if you're available the very next Monday or the Monday after that. You let me, you text me and let me know. Because I, sure, huh? I, I think this is very important as we start school again. Absolutely. Some kids are scared to go to school because of Uvalde. Was it Uvalde? Uvalde. Uvalde. Some kids Uvalde. are scared to go to school and that conversation about is school safe? And it's like, yeah, it would have been safer if it had not waited 70 minutes. But right, right. Mm-hmm. So I, I hope that there is a civil lawsuit against the police department. It will be, I'm sure. Yeah, I hope there is because yes, that yes. was just janky and they butts was yes, just there. Yes, or they didn't care that it was more minorities at that school than anything. So that's a whole that, lot of stuff. That 
That, yes. And and the superintendent resigned. The police oh, chief re- how yeah. about that? The superintendent resigned. The police chief resigned. Oh, yeah. But there I, was, I was so named them in the lawsuit. They yes, get yes. They're going to be named. They will oh, all yeah. be named. Yes, they will all be named. And they all going to get it. Yes, and they should. And so they should. They should pay for that. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you um, for um, Kiana for letting us go about 15, 16 minutes over mm-hmm. just to get those points across. I thank yeah. you for joining us here at Intentional Talk Radio. You are listening to Dr. Corliss P. Bennett with Mindful Mondays. Next week, we will have Miss Miyoshi Dorsey back to answer your questions from your text. And then we will jump into the symptoms of suicide. So mm-hmm. until then, have a beautiful day or night. Have a beautiful Tuesday if you're already on Tuesday, and peace out. You have been listening to Intentional Talk Radio Network with Dr. Corliss P. Bennett and Miyoshi Dorsey. Thank you for joining us. It has been a great show. We're going to continue to do this again and again. Folks, don't forget, 682-710-1101 is the number that you can use to chime in during this conversation and all of the other conversations here on itrnradio.com. Have a good evening. Take care of yourself. We'll see you tomorrow for Change Matters. We will see you tomorrow for Empowering Moments with Tanika Jackson and CNHF. Be sure to join us tomorrow right here, itrnradio.com. Have a good evening. Good to yourself and good to others. Take care.